So you think you can manage. We are the So You Think You Can Manage podcast. I am a step-in host for tonight. I am Shane. I'm joined with Biscuit as our lead host, Andrew, uh, is rolling into his fall season coming up. So stepping in for him tonight. Biscuit, though, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Like we were saying before uh, we started the show, I pinched a nerve, so my arm kind of feels weird, and uh, I've been sore the last couple of days. Um, but but other than that, you know, the fills are hot. So uh, naturally, the the little the little things in life aren't getting to me as much. Um, That's correct. And we've been treated with a good, you know, good fun a uh, couple weeks of baseball. So no complaints there. It's been awesome. This has been uh, this has been one of the. The best stretches uh, of Phillies baseball we've seen really since, you know, the glory days or, you know, or our glory days anyway. Uh, of For the, sure. Yeah. Of the uh, of the Howard Utley and Rollins era. So we are uh, entering into tonight's. I mean, the game's currently on as we're recording this, um, but uh, we are 61 and 48, just three games back from the Braves for that top wild card spot, which is really an interesting storyline to, to be following at this point. Um, you know, whether it's getting a home playoffs uh, series, um, you know, or home playoff games, not series, but um, it'll it'll be a really interesting watch down the stretch uh, how these two teams kind of battle out. Um, you know, we are six and zero since we last recorded, and nine and one in our last ten games. So you mentioned it, dude. We're we're hot. Uh, and so much has to do with with this offense. Um, um, before we get totally into the offense, I'm just going to run over, you know, a handful of numbers and then we'll get into some specific points. Uh, but over the last 15 games, Reese Hoskins is hitting 327 with five home runs. Guys mashing when he's hot, dude. I mean, holy crap. He is. Uh, he's as fun as uh, uh, he's as fun as the June Schwarber. I mean, it's just what he does sure. with, for this team, man, is unbelievable. But uh, great last 15 for him. Uh, Bomer over the last 15, hitting 390 with two home runs and 10 RBIs. I, just a legitimate, you know, 24, 25-year-old kid hitting in a three-hole spot right now, stepping in for the MVP in that spot. And he's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. So Bomer's been been killing it. Our guy, JT Realmuto, man, we've been giving him so much shit all season and you know uh, you know andrew's been you know kind of heckling us in the chat you know right saying like you know is he is it fair to say he's back is it fair to say he's back you know i'll give you his numbers real quick over the last 30 games for him before we go on to the rest of the the numbers that i have for us but 358 over the last 15 and 327 with nine home runs over the last 30 we're starting to see legitimate power and you know with the ball jumping off his bat again he looks like a different hitter in the box where are you at with JT? Are you are you confident enough to say the guy's back? Uh yeah, he he he's definitely pushing that limit again. Um, and it's been really cool to see. Um, what what a complete 180 he's done, yep. getting his average back up, getting his OPS back up, the OPS plus up, driving in runs, hitting home runs, the powers back up. He's barreling up more baseballs. Um, it, it it's been massive. And yeah, like I'll give credit where credit it's due. He's certainly back. He certainly has exceeded my expectation that he set up um mm -hmm. earlier on the season I, I was expecting more of a letdown um but he showed me that he still got it and um that's really encouraging to see hopefully he keeps it up hopefully they find different ways to keep him fresh because yep. with as bad as hot as this you got to keep it going as long as possible um but but it's been insanely encouraging and huge for this team a lot of it, and, and you kind of reiterated it again there, Biscuit, you know, a lot of it coincided with the fact that we did start getting him more rest, and a lot of that is Tomper, you know? Yeah. 
so much of of what we're seeing at this point, you know, I don't know. I mean, there are don't get me wrong. There are definitive in-game decisions that that we are seeing night in and night out that are vastly different uh, from Joe Girardi. But I do think that one of the biggest things, and this is something that we've all kind of talked about really th- throughout the the temporary here, you know, is just he gets the human side of things. He truly seems like he has these guys playing, you know, not just you know for themselves, their stats, their contracts you know, not playing with the weight of their stats and contracts, but it's playing for a city, playing for an organization, playing for a fan base and playing for one another. And I, I you take a, a look at a guy like JT Romuto, who I think that you could argue was at, at many times throughout this year, just a dude who was pressing, not having mm-hmm. much fun. Um, you know, look like you, you're squeezing the, you know, the, the handle of that bat just a little tighter um, and just never really looked himself. And, and, you know, a lot of that, Maybe it was Girardi. Maybe it was just that that kind of feel in the clubhouse that really isn't there anymore. So not enough can be said at, at this point for what this uh, coaching staff led by uh, Thompson has been able to do in, in terms of connecting with their players and getting yeah. that rest. For sure, for sure. And what I think, you know, what's neat about Thompson is that I don't think he – has really done a whole lot in developing developing this new culture for the Phillies. I think he's kind of let them do their thing and he's stuck to the things that makes him good, which is like, you know, the, the game prep and then the decision making and decision sure. and game decision managing. And he's kind of just let them do the thing while also, you know, connecting with them on a little bit more of a, on a personal level than I guess Girardi could. And, um, that's paid dividends, you know, it's clear that they have it, you know, they respect him. They, they clearly like playing for him. Um, those tangibles are just there and, you know, we don't have to rehash the, the Girardi stuff, but we all know you didn't see any of that with him. Sure. Um, so, so the impact that he's had, I mean, what the Phillies are, the, the Phillies are playing over 600% winning percentage ball with Thompson. They're like 20 games over 500 with mm-hmm. Thompson. Um, you know, as as much as you, you could say what you will about the, the Phillies team and how they started the season and how, how all of their, you know, ugly flaws really showed their, themselves early. But um, th- there's no denying that Joe Girardi was just such an utterly abysmal person like that, that like no one no one wanted to play for him and that that yep. much is that you know whether the team makes the playoffs or not this team's vastly different under Thompson so so the fact that you see this type of change just goes to show you that that Girardi just wasn't it um but it's more than just that look there's the neat thing about the Phillies is honestly just the fact that night in night out it's different dudes stepping up yeah. Um, you didn't have that before. Like last year, you, you had Reese when he was hot before he got injured. You had MVP Bryce and you had Wheeler. But that was about it. You know, this time it, it's different guys every night. One night it's Schwarber with a big home run. One night it's Bone with a big hit. Um, maybe it's, you know, the bullpen shutting it down, keeping them in a close game. You you just didn't get that at all in the past. You know, you never got a guy like Derek Hall who when you lose your MVP and your big power bat in the middle of the lineup, you never had someone you could just pluck out a triple A and say, hey, you know, you might not be the, you know, perfect shoe in here for, for filling this hole that we have since we're losing our MVP. But just go out there, do your thing, hit dingers, drive in runs. And that's massive. Nick Maton, another guy, um, uh, you know, Jairo uh, Munoz, the defense, you know, just guys. It doesn't have to be standouts or you don't have to be a star. It's just the little things. And it, it's remarkable what they've been able to accomplish. You can't say enough about it. 
I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, and, and you know, you kind of reiterated this as well, and, and I don't think that you're wrong. Um, it, it does feel like the players, you know, have the autonomy to be themselves and to go out yeah. there uh, and, and play the game, you know, that they love the way that they love to play it. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, with Thompson, not letting the moment get too big, not, not let, not changing who he is or what he does. And I thought that that was really kind of reiterated by Thompson himself in an, in a, an interview question response to, I believe it was Howard Eskin who had asked him, mm-hmm. you know, Eskin had, you know, and say what you will about Eskin, but he does ask very good interview questions at times. Uh, and I did think this was a fair one because it's something that's on all of our minds, you know, is, is he's asking, you know, Thompson, Hey, you know, what are your thoughts? Are you worried about your, your future, you know, and, and, and what, what may be beyond this season. And I thought that Thompson's answer was just so genuine and it, not even just the fact that, you know, some of it is it's what you're going to say is, you know, I'm taking care of today and, and I'll let tomorrow take care of itself, which is mm-hmm. more or less what Thompson had mentioned, but it was the fact that he tied it back to a lesson his father taught him. Like there was like, you could just tell that like even something as routine and kind of, you know, cliche as take care of what you can today and tomorrow takes care of itself type of thing to tie it back to something personal. Like that is something that he gave the media. That's not something Joe Girardi gives the media, you know, and I believe that that's, that's the type of conversation that he also gives the players. So when you got guys that maybe go a little cold, when you got guys who are, you know, got a little bit of an ailment coming on, um, you know, I genuinely believe that those conversations, the human element of going in and performing is so much easier when you're going in and you're having those conversations and preparations with a guy like Thompson. Um, and I think it's showing just up and down the lineup throughout the bullpen. Uh, I mean, really, honestly, as long as you use bullpen pieces intelligently, you know, you, you're, you're going to see it, like, at least a moderately respectful product. Um, you know, and that's just something that just continually eluded um, Girardi, but, but certainly has not eluded um, our, our guy topper. So. But uh, let, let's go to another piece in the offense here that we didn't uh, touch a ton on, and he's starting to kind of turn, turn a corner. It's someone that we've, again, been incredibly critical of, um, and that's Nick Castellanos, who over the last uh, 30 games or so, he's hitting uh, just over 280. He's got a couple home runs, um, and, uh, you know, he, he's... I won't say he has that authoritative swing, with the exception of those two home runs, which both were great swings. Um, but the it can't be understated the fact that he is finding a way to get hits and get on base. That is how you get out of slumps. You need to be lucky at times. You got to find those bloop singles. And then with those bloop singles, you see some things that are mixed in that you know maybe he does you know have a little bit more barreled up on that ball. What are you seeing out of Castellanos over the last 15, 30 games at this point as as we're heading into the stretch run of the season? Well, like you said, he, he's playing a lot better. It seems like he's a little bit more um, relaxed now at the plate. It feels like he isn't pressing as much as he's been, showing a little bit more discipline, which is huge, like you said, getting on base. And that's the big thing there. Like, you know, Castellanos, he's not much of a walks guy. You know, he's not going to, you know, ever have a on-base percentage at or close to 400, I I wouldn't think. But, um, you know, when he's on, he's going to get on base at a pretty decent clip, and you just haven't been seeing that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in in all aspects of a slump, even with the power declining, you know, him getting on base declining. Um, so so the, the fact that he's turning around a little bit more here is is huge. Um, hopefully he keeps going. 
hopefully, you know, obviously the season's really starting to dwindle down, but hopefully he has a really hot two months. So he ends the season on a really high note. Cause I think having his confidence back up in the, in the, in, you know, whether it's through a playoff racer, tell me he won't be the most fun Philly to watch Absolutely. him and Bryce with their personalities, man, and postseason baseball, get out of here. You'll be, oh my God. you'll feel the intensity. You'll be able to cut it with a knife. It'll be so thick. It'll be that fun. Um, it, it, It'll be amazing. And look, you know, you're seeing those signs. Like you said, it doesn't need to be, you know, like, like JT is right now, power off the bat, power, like right off the bat immediately. Start slow, get on base, get your hits, you know, get, drive in those key runs when you get the opportunities and go from there. And it's been good to see so far. Yeah. And, and I have, I'm, um... Right there with you. You know, I've been extremely critical of Castellanos. Um, Rightfully so. It's been bad. When it was bad, it was hard. Um, And honestly, both him and JT had very similar problems with their inability to recognize, you know, off-speed pitches or anything that that cut away from them on the lower lower outer third of that plate. It it was just – it just didn't seem to matter. They were just going to swing out of their shoes and look ridiculous. And, you know, while I won't say that the adjustment's been there completely for Castellanos, the recognition is, is beginning to get there. Um, and more importantly, those end up in that zone. He is finding a way to make contact and get on. And that is huge. And, and who's to know what that does for the confidence of a guy who is very much a feel good, look good, play good type of player. Absolutely. Um, you know, just a couple other quick numbers here uh, on the offense before we kind of talk about them as a whole. And and I will bring it back to kind of a, a key point here with the offense. And it's something you've actually already mentioned. But Gene, since returning from the IL, he's five for 11 with a, a, a rocket of a home run for himself. Little guy with that power. Jimmy Siggs. Love it. Um, Derek Hall to save us all. Throwback uh, podcast title. 282 uh, over the last 30 games with eight home runs and 15 RBI. It's been absolutely huge to be able to pull him out of AAA and do that. Um, Stadi, who just doesn't strike out. You know, he's such a mature hitter, despite the fact that the average sits around 200. Uh, over the last, you know, 15 or 30 games or so, he's hitting almost 270. He's got 11 RBIs. You know, he's putting together real professional at bats. You mentioned Nick Maton, three for four when he. I, what a damn shame that is. That kid comes up, has, you know, I think it was like two great games. Yeah. But busts up the shoulder, comes back, goes three for four right away uh, with a shot of his own. Um, oh, yeah. Just he uh, gets, when he gets a hold of one and he is not, he's, a, you know, he's not small, but he's not a very big dude. But when he gets a hold of one, it is a no doubter most of the time. It's impressive. He's and not. Yeah, he's not as wide in the shoulders as Chase Utley, but he's very similar in that, like, there's just some sneaky pop in a guy that's mm-hmm. relatively slender like that. Um, and especially playing a middle infield position, you just don't always assume that's going to come out of somebody. Um, but, but, boy, what, how much fun it is to watch him play the game, man. Um, and, and, again, another, you know, homegrown piece, you know, and, and, and what we're doing out there. It's it's what a far cry from from the homegrown pieces that we missed on over the last you know, 15 or, you know, 115 years at this point. Um, not a whole hell of a lot of positivity. Yeah. And what's cool about it is they don't all have to be stars, you know, No. you don't, you know, you, you don't need to come up to the major leagues and, and be an MVP or be a Cy Young or be an all-star. You just need to be able to, you know, be a contributor to start out. And from there you find your way. And, um, 
the Phillies, like like I mentioned earlier, they just haven't had that in the past. And it's not yep. even just with guys in our farm system. Look at a guy like Andrew Bellotti, someone just kind of plucked out of nowhere who no one, you know, Boy. really knew anything about and has been outstanding on this team. Um it's you know like uh, you know another development story ranger and the turnaround he's had um that's that's what winning organizations do absolutely and, and it's shocking you know it's it's shocking <laughs> to see it, you know starting to kind of unfold before your eyes for these guys these young players to Philly stay care to mature right in front of our faces as we watch the season unfold and um it, it, it's a beautiful thing and if it cultivates into a playoff push and a, and a playoff run and the Phillies get in this is going to be one of the most awesome seasons in a really long time and that's and that's really neat for us it's awesome um it, it's mm-hmm. We, and we've all we we've been starved for for legitimate fun. Hungry. By, yeah, you know, for for this type of baseball heading in, you know, so much it's 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 bad to say, and especially on the Phillies podcast here, but for for so many of us, it's we've almost we've taken a look at the Phillies since the run, and we've said, you know what, just get me to just get me to football season, just get me to the Eagles, and and that's all I care about, you know, and look. For better or for worse, a lot of times they are getting you to football season and then falling off a cliff. And that's pretty much where things have been. But this is a team that right now feels different. They are built different. They look different. Uh, and so much of it goes to exactly what you were mentioning. And I want to stick with that offense right now. Uh, we can talk in totality, you know, at the back end of this point. But you've been mentioning it now, you know, several times throughout some of these points. It is someone or something different every single night, and it is not always necessarily the superstar that's coming up. You know, it is not always a, a JT Realmuto and his you know $25 million a year contract or whatever he is, you know, hitting an opposite field shot, uh, you know, barreling a ball out. Sometimes it, it, it truly is. It, it's a it's a key seventh, eighth or ninth inning Bryson Stott hit. Um, you know, it's Derek Hall, you know, sitting for three, four days and then all of a sudden coming in and you know, popping two home runs that night, you know, it's, you just up and down this lineup offensively, especially no one is an easy out and and not enough can be stated about the job that, that they have done there, uh, managerial wise, coaching staff wise to, to get these guys prepared and confident enough to go in there and say, tonight can be my night. And right now we've talked about it before. I don't, ever feel like the Phillies are out of a baseball game. What an unbelievable feeling, dude. It's been so long Mm -hmm. since we can really do that uh, or say that, excuse me. When you take a look at at this offense, you know, for opposing pitchers, for opposing managers and and the decisions that they have to make it in in bullpen uh, or later innings, you know, how, how good does it feel to know that this is the type of offense one through nine at this point, that puts together really competitive professional at bats and can find ways to beat you night in and night out. So, uh, you know, this is what we envisioned. This was the blueprint we were all sold on at the beginning of the season. Mash the bell, smash the bell. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't necessarily been that road. That's not how we've gotten here so far, but um when you take into consideration what the pitching has been able to give you from the rotation, from the bullpen, and now this offense is really starting to turn that corner and you're going to have a really fun stretch where this team's just going to crush pitchers. 
I I know I've been skeptical about the Phillies, but if they can continue on this path, they're they're going to make the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind that they they absolutely will. Um, and that and that's amazing, and that's huge yeah. because this is what you invested your big chips in. You invested so much money in this offense to make this such a potent lineup, and um, th- th- it's finally going to pay off. These are the results, and um, if this is what you're going to get, your money's going to be well spent. And uh, I think at the end of the year, you'll be happy with the end result. And there is no more telling sign than than missing your best pure hitter in Gene Segura uh, for weeks on end here and missing the MVP uh, of baseball uh, mm-hmm. in Bryce Harper and finding a way to continue to be able to put up runs at, at just an exceptional clip. Um, so just not enough can be stated about, about what this offense has grown into. One thing I do want to talk about though, with this offense, uh, both with the imminent return of Bryce Harper, who did get those pins out, uh, began starting uh, to hit off the tee Um was throwing a bit, uh, was shut down again. That's kind of concerning. You know, it seems like surgery in that uh, UCL is going to be, you know, likely at the end of this season. And it seems like he's, you know, if and when he returns, it will be as as a DH. What that kind of means for a guy like Derek Hall, you know, who's been able to, you know, be in the lineup, you know, more nights than not and provide that left-handed power. You know, it, in a game that no longer features uh the the pinch hitter as you know dire of a need as it once did when dhs were not universal what does it mean for a guy like Derek hall like do you do you just kind of stash him there and hope that he, he he stays sharp he's not a guy that you can really play in the field to give you know even reese hoskins a spell um and they've shown that as he's only played the one maybe two games in the field at this point mm-hmm when Bryce comes back, how do you see this whole thing working out? Not even just the Derek Hall problem. And again, these are good problems to have. I want to reiterate that these are not bad things to have. Sure. Uh, as we're sitting here, you know, but but what it means for a guy like Derek Hall and what it means for a lineup that's just been raking. Uh, do you put him right back in the three hole with with Bomer hitting 390? You know, what do you do when Bryce Harper returns? How do you manage this team? Well, you obviously get him back in the three spot. Bryce is your best hitter. That's where he's always, you know, hit for the most part in a Phillies uniform. I don't foresee that changing anytime soon, which I'm fine with. Um, You know, in regard to Derek Hall, maybe you send him down to AAA if you want to get him consistent playing time. But I I think he's too integral of a a part here now going forward with this team. He is a legitimate power threat bat. Um, and I think you need that going down the stretch. So, and I, and I think they realize that I think he'll be with the club. I don't think they'll send him down. I think they'll make the accommodation to, to keep him on, have him maybe a pinch hit late in games for someone uh, lower in the lineup to, you know, be a power bat off the bench. And, um, I think that's awesome. I think it's another weapon to have. Like you said, it's a good problem to have. I think they'll find ways to kind of keep him involved, get him fresh. You know, I'm sure Harper, you know, while DHing, he's not going to have too much time off, but I'm sure you'll want to get him down a day or two coming back from a prolonged injury. Um, you know, and, the, and these things have a way of working themselves out. So like, you know, everyone says that. Yep. Um, you never know what what could happen or how how guys you know will perform or struggle or what roles they, they you know could pop up in. Um, so I'm I'm not overly concerned about it. 
Um, you know, most important thing is just making sure your MVP is ready to go. And I'm um, good for a big playoff stretch run because uh, you're going to need them. And hopefully, like Gene, you can come back hitting the ground running. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so getting work calls at this hour of the night because that's oh, what I love that. Is. Yep. Right. It just Adulting. keeps happening. Just absolutely hate it. Um, but um, <clears throat> sorry uh, for listeners who are bearing with me as I fumble through five Apple devices that are attached to me right now, trying to figure out which one I can turn off a phone to because I'm a fucking child. Um, anyway, let's stick with the Bryce Harper thing though for a second. <clears throat> so, and I don't, I don't love crediting uh, other podcasts for, for really great top, uh, talk topics. Um, but the high hopes podcast brought this up, uh, with, um, Seltzer and, uh, and Fritz over there with Bryce Harper in the booth. You know, this is something that, um, I think when you're trying to grow the game of baseball, and especially appeal to younger audiences. Um, I, it felt like something that was, it, it felt like the most genuine listen that I can recall in years. And I, I love Tom McCarthy. Like I, I, I think he's amazing. Um, and I know that that's not a common opinion amongst Philly fans, uh, but I think he's, I think he's incredible at what he does. I love Cruck for the color, uh, you know, that, that he provides. They are great. But any, whomever the third is, I can do without. Um, and if the second's Ben Davis, you know, he eats my whole ass. That guy doesn't need to be anywhere near anything ever. Uh, you should go work at UPS or something. Fuck that guy. But uh, you get a Bryce Harper in here, and everything about him was so genuine and so real. And he just, he gets it. He gets the city, he gets the game, he gets the the role and the responsibility that comes with being an advocate for this game uh, and, and for the way that this game is played. What was, I mean, I don't know if you got to watch this game biscuit. Uh, and if you didn't, maybe you saw some things, you know, throughout uh, social media that night or, or the following mm. day about his time in there. But how important is it to you to be able to listen to a guy who loves the game the way that it is played right now and maybe not someone who is from a prior generation and they're out there not enjoying the way that the game is played because it is so vastly different than what it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really cool seeing Bryce in the booth. Um, it, it seemed like like I, I, I didn't know it was happening until you just kind of saw him sitting there, which I thought was kind of cool. Like it wasn't something that I felt like was overly advertised. So it was kind of, you know, a treat in and of itself because he was just kind of there. And then he stayed there for the I think the whole game he was there until the until the big rainout right. happened. Yep. Yeah. So so that was neat to see. Um, and it was cool. You know, he hit all the beats really well. He was really well spoken in that regard, you know, kind of slid just so perfectly in that role as someone who understood the game and how it's played today and could really, you know, give that insight to, to, to uh, T-Mac and John Crock in such a way that um, I, I don't think, like you said, others who are that third member of that broadcast team can, whether mm -hmm. it's Ruben Amaro or um, the uh, absolutely abysmal Ben Davis. I actually, Ruben, Ruben doesn't drive me too crazy. I'm not crazy about Ruben. him, but, but Ben Davis has just got awful. Ben Davis. I'm so glad catchers. that we all hate him. 
Ben Davis is honestly a buffoon, and I don't know, like like I I call myself a buffoon when I when I'm you know joking around, but he's like an actual buffoon. Like you should be <laughs> sorry that your buffoonery exists. Um, and I I honestly a name I always a guy who I always love hearing speak. Um, with, with NBC uh, Sports Philadelphia, who I think. I would love as, you know, a younger guy who could provide some different insight into, you know, the newer wave of baseball just because of how bright he is, is Corey Seidman. Love I would him. love, yeah, I would love having Corey Seidman in there with, uh, with John Crook and T-Mac. I think, um, the, the, you know, the, they're, while, while John, you know, is more of an old school guy, I don't think he necessarily always has that old school mentality, no. but, you know, I think him and a guy like Corey Seidman could have a really nice back and forth blend. Um, in that regard, uh, but but back to your point about Harper, it was really refreshing to see, and um, you know, it seemed like he had a lot of fun with it. A lot of people were talking about it. There's the whole Trey Turner thing when he uh, brought up how much he loves Trey Turner, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, Trey Turner's coming here." Um, he is. So let's just get that I, one out of the way. <laughs> I, I I I I'm not as bullish to say that, but one can dream, I guess. But it was cool to see. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. As someone who is, is overly romantic about the game of baseball, anyone who can go out there and positively sell it, make it seem interesting to those that maybe believe that it's nothing more than the sports equivalent to jazz music, which is the old adage that we always hear. Um, to, to be able to go out there and, and to support one, I, I thought it was, and I don't know why this isn't something that's done more often, to be honest with you, with a guy that is on the IL for some of these home games, if they are such a personable individual and someone that is as well-spoken as you alluded to as Bryce Harper, I think it's, I think it's great. It's a, it's one more way to attach yourselves to your fan base. Uh, you know, and, and I just think not enough positive can be stated for something like that. Um, so I thought it was really cool, you know, and, and it's something that, you know, as, you know, he didn't, uh, it, it, and you mentioned it too, it, this wasn't something that was advertised, at least not to the best of my knowledge. Um, it was just kind of one of those things where he, all of a sudden, there he is, uh, and he hung out for the the entire five and a uh, five and a half innings or whatever ended up being that night, six and a half innings. Um, so really, really cool, but it, it wouldn't shock me if uh, if we don't see him in there a few more times before his return. Um, and, uh, and I would love it. Um, I, I really would. I, I think it's, uh, I, I just think it's great for the game of baseball. Um, let's, uh, so let's shift into, so let's talk a little bit down the stretch here. Um, one of the things that I want to get your opinion on, uh, because I don't, I, so often we talk about so much in our group chats. I don't know that we've, we've ever really talked in depth about this, um, but the light schedule, you know, so much there, so many people allude to the pros and the cons of the light schedule, especially a second half light schedule that brings you into the playoffs. You know, there is, you know, many people will sit there and say, you know, well, everyone needs their rice, you know, college football week one, you know, a, a, a big 12 teams or, or an SEC team or someone, a powerhouse organization plays rice, who is just, it's stupid. And but you need it because you, you need that kind of tune-up game, right? To feel good and go out there and keep playing. But in baseball, where you're playing six, seven days a week, you know, you're playing 28 days out of the month. One can say that, that it's it's not a great thing to play rice every fucking night. And right now we're playing 28 out of the next 32 games or so are against teams that are more than 10 games under 500 
is this almost too soft of a schedule that you can't quite trust what you're seeing? Or are you just kind of living in the moment right now and you're saying, you know what, you can only play who's in front of you? I mean, I, I, I personally, I don't see it that way at all just because the Phillies – Anyone who knows this team, when the when the Phillies are scuffling, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Like they'll get their asses whooped. They played down to some really bad teams in the past, and and look at last year's schedule. They had a very easy second half schedule as well, one of the lightest in baseballs, and they couldn't seize that opportunity with a Braves team that didn't get hot until August, and a Mets team that never could really seize the moment when they had an opportunity to take the division. Um, you know, so. Look, I I think, you know, good teams beat the good teams and the bad teams as well. So, you know, for as many bad teams as the Phillies have played or will play over the next couple weeks, you know, got to think back to the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Padres, even the Dodgers, those good teams. And they've played up against them and have played on par with them. They're about 500 with the Braves. They played really well in comparison with them. Um, so while, while yes, they, they've been really putting the pedal to the metal against bad teams, you know, that that's what good teams do as well. And then I've also been playing against good team, playing well against good teams. So um, I, I think there's more more tangibles than just seeing them looking at the record and say, well, they're just playing bad teams right now because not, you know, not every great team will get through bad teams. And you've seen that in the past. Absolutely. And especially you've seen that in Philadelphia. Oh, you know, and, and that's that's beyond just the Phillies organization. It certainly seems like we play up or down to the level of competition uh, across the board on all four uh, of the core sports here in in Philadelphia. Um, so another thing we I, I want to talk about a little bit more. We've talked about it briefly. Uh, we talked about it briefly last week on the pod with Andrew. We've talked about it a little bit in our group text. Um, but obviously, you know, you get Noah Syndergaard out there. Tonight, uh, his first start in a Phillies uniform was, um, I believe that you can call it dog shit. Uh, that guy stinks. Uh, and we we knew it going in. Um, sorry, Andrew, I know that you were a Syndergaard guy. Um, but, uh, you know, and tonight, you know, we're, we're down one nothing already. Um, or at least last I checked. But um, this is a guy who, through much of this this season has gone on six or more days rest in effort to kind of ease himself in after the Tommy John, which again, obviously you take a look at, again, while I was never a huge Syndergaard fan, we've talked about this before on the show, I believe. Um, I, I won't deny that he's, it's night and day. He's a very different pitcher now than he was then, um, you know, prior, prior to the surgeries, um, you know, but you take a look at a guy like that. They invest in, in someone who they believe or with the intent, uh, the, the belief that they could go out there and start a playoff game. I would start everyone in our rotation before him in a playoff game right now. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that, and again, let, let's, let me back up for just a second. So I, I just shit on his first start. Um, he hadn't pitched in a while. He just came, you know, across the country from, from Los Angeles. Uh, and it's his first start back in, in the NLEs back on the East coast. Um, you know, jittery, I get it. Like, let's think of the human side of things for a moment there. That's probably not the easiest start to go into. Um, so I do think that what we see over the next several starts and how the Phillies choose to use him, whether he goes on regular rest or extended rest, uh, is really going to speak volumes to who and what he is. But 
my question here is, as we go down the stretch and as we are shaping up to see what this rotation might look like for a potential, you know, season closeout and then postseason berth, who are those pitches? Who are the horses behind the guys we know, behind Wheeler, behind Nola? We could even include Nola because he's been horrendous in September. Um, but beyond those two guys, do you kind of look at this as something that we're going to see four names, maybe even five names if F1 comes back, that you're going to see starts out of for the rest of the of this stretch run if we can work in a, an extra day for some of these guys? Maybe a bullpen game, maybe F1's back. What are your thoughts right now on this rotation beyond the two horses? Well, yeah, look, you know, it's going to be all of them all in all have been fine for the most part. Like, obviously, the jury's still out on Syndergaard and he hasn't looked well. Like He's, you know, was fine in L.A. They they were very conservative with him. So you wonder how that's going to translate here where you expect him to pitch every fifth day in a playoff race. Um, you know, it depends a lot on Eflin's health. I do mm-hmm. think down the stretch they could kind of run with the six-man rotation if they're in it and trying to keep guys healthy, trying to keep guys fresh. Um, but, you know, th- that hinges on Eflin's av- availability, how other guys are pitching. You know, hopefully Gibson stays on his heater and continues his hot streak. Suarez has been, you know, very surprising as of late and going back to that uh, peak 2021 form and some of his more recent outings. So, um, look, you know, the, the guys behind Wheeler and Nola have done their jobs. I think it's hard to say that overall they, they haven't. Um, but you needed it to continue. You know, the season's not over yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still well over 50 games that need to be played to, to, to let this dust settle here. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. But, um, you know, I, I think after Nola and, or Wheeler and Nola, you, you, I, I got Suarez is your three right now. Gibson's your answer. four. And we, and yeah, and Syndergaard's your five. Um, just because Syndergaard, is, he really doesn't look sharp. It's concerning, like, even with the demolished velocity, he just looks very exposed and hittable, I think. And um, whether it's soft contact or, or, or hard contact, he seems to be giving it up, which is uh, very concerning. Yeah, look, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, for what it's worth, while I never was in love with Syndergaard's uh, stuff, Really, I, you know, I, I thought, and I've mentioned this before, I felt like he was a benefit of he was that first wave of pitcher that was, you know, regularly hitting triple digits uh, or the high 90s as a starter. Um, you know, and, and I just felt like that was an adjustment for the game. The game had not yet adjusted to him. Once they did, you saw how things turned out. Um, you know, he, he's he's a guy that he's very Philadelphia. He is an asshole, and that is something that we find endearing in this city. Um, you know, so I will say if he can figure out how to pitch in a really short amount of time and somehow work himself into being a legitimate playoff starter for us, whether it's a third or fourth starter in the postseason, I will have a lot of fucking fun watching that guy. He is like the equivalent of the personality wise of a Nick Castellanos, another person who I believe will just be just balls to the wall fun to watch in the postseason. So if he can figure it out as much as I don't believe he will, it will be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's talk a little, just briefly about this series last night. I thought, um, you know, and they had mentioned it later on the broadcast as well. Um, Wheeler clearly not sharp yesterday and still found a way to go six innings. 
um, uh, of one run ball. Um, and that's just so encouraging from it's, it's something we don't normally see from, from Phillies pitchers over the last, you know, six or, or, or eight years at this point, you know, usually if a guy's not sharp, a guy's not really getting through six innings of one run game um, or of one run ball and, and Wheeler did. And, you know, to me, I don't really care who is across from him uh, in the batter's box to know that that is something that, that we can count on uh, that even on his worst day, he can go out there and, and still, find a way to be, you know, a version of himself that is still a very plus pitcher is super encouraging. Um, so taking that, that opener was, was huge uh, against the Miami team that before the last several series, really, obviously it's been well documented, had our number, um, you know, tonight, obviously going up against Alcantara is just, it's a tough task for everyone in major league baseball right now. What an unbelievable, uh, you know, starting pitcher he's grown into be so much fun to watch. Um, kind of sucks that he's in the division because you want to appreciate what it is that he does um you know but uh when, when you're going up against a 188 era um and a cy young front runner it, it's it's hard to be excited about um but uh and then especially when you got to watch fucking noah Syndergaard across from him tonight um you know that's that's not making me hard at all um but uh you know one more against them before you know the phillies go into new york and that's the series i want to kind of close out on here the last time, it was earlier on in the year, last time that, that we had, or maybe not the last time, but it was the first time this season that we had felt that the Phillies turned a corner and that they were a different baseball team. And, you know, we felt like, you know what, maybe maybe we do belong in the, in this, like, playoff contention talk. Uh, and then we went and we played the Mets and we got fucking embarrassed. And it was just such a kick in the dick to sit there and, and to go from that, like, cautiously optimistic high to just right back down to, to just completely understanding we were several classes below the then New York Mets. This is now several months later. The Mets are still a runaway in this division for the most part. They got arguably the two biggest acquisitions back in the game of baseball with Max Scherzer and uh, Jake DeGrom. They're still the Mets. They're still a very, very good baseball team right now. But so are the Philadelphia Phillies. This series for me is the one where how how the series itself goes is, I would say, almost of lesser importance than how this the next few series that follow become. Because it's all about how you respond to that potential kick in the dick that could come because the Mets are that good. What is your feel, your thought? on this Mets series one, what do you think is a realistic outcome for the three game series against them? Knowing, keeping in mind, we will be facing both Scherzer and DeGrom in that series. So what's a realistic win outcome for that three game series. And then what are you kind of looking for in response to that out of this team going forward? I believe they have the, the reds after that. Well, um, you look for the competitive, the competitiveness to remain what it, what it's been, um, hopefully you can get another game or two in uh, in the win column against Miami, whether that's tonight or tomorrow. And then it's on to New York. Um, that, that's going to be a tough battle for them. You know, they haven't seen DeGrom yet this year. They've actually had some success against Scherzer. But that Mets team has been all over the Phillies like a new suit. And um, they have our numbers so far. So they, they need to be in competitive. I think wins, you know, taking a series, whether it's a sweep or taking two or three against 
against the Mets would pay huge dividends for this team right now, give a lot of boost to their confidence, um, mm-hmm. which I think would be huge. Um, so, you know, they, they just need to remain in it. They got to keep playing with the edge they've been playing with. And I think the results will, um, you know, be, be uh, positive if they do just that. Look, I agree. I think the biggest word, uh, you know, that you mentioned there is competitiveness. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to to at least not be outclassed by this this Mets team, uh, I, I think will loom large for for the confidence continuing to go to go forth. You win one of those games between Scherzer and Degrom, you're feeling great about it. Um, and I believe that if you take one of those games, I do believe that that you know that there's a better shot than not that that we stay competitive enough to to be a, a a good bet to win that third game there um which i don't believe the starters have been announced for that game um but again you know it, it, it'll be a really good test after you know winning a lot of um a lot of baseball games against some teams that you know obviously are are you know outside looking in on, on playoffs at this point um so so it'll be a good one um any uh, any final thoughts here before we before we close this one out tonight? No, no, nothing, nothing big. Just keep keep up with the, this pace that we're on. It's um, a lot of fun baseball to watch, and hopefully, it just continues. And it's been and it's been an exciting time. Yeah, can't agree more. Um, Andrew, sorry that you weren't here today. Hopefully, that you know we we did a decent enough job stepping in for you. Um, but uh, to to the listeners at this point, you know. This is, you know, if, if you sit back for just a moment and, you know, you, you take a look at the product that the Phillies have been able to put in the field uh, since Thompson took over, I I think you you start to realize this is the best baseball team we've we've had the opportunity to watch since the last team to make the postseason. Um, you know, I know that we've been decent at times over, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, be it several series. Uh, be it for several months, um, you know, but there was always something that didn't feel right. I think you feel good about what's going on with this baseball team right now. Um, and and I think that you get excited and I think you allow yourself to, to, to be there. Um, you know, allow yourself to, to take all the highs as they are, allow yourself to get upset with the lows and know that the next day you're coming back out, you're still going to be incredibly competitive uh, because that's, that's the baseball team that you're getting night in and night out at this point. And that's super special. It's been so damn long um, and we deserve it, you know, and, and, and honestly, the organization for as much as they haven't deserved it at times, they deserve it right now. Um, you know, they've answered the bell on so many different questions at this point. They've spent the money, uh, you know, they've reinvested in, in prospect development. Um, they're doing the things that the really good baseball teams are doing. And, and you're seeing that as it's evident with the way that we're, we're able to pluck out, you know, bullpen pieces. Like you mentioned, you, you're, we're able to pull out guys from AAA that are just going to just be competitive and come up here and, and, and be able to hold their own and not just watch the team crumble when things go bad. And this team was, we, we joked about it, but I mean, it seemed like we were getting taken out one literal digit at a time. Yep. Um, and, and there was so much to be concerned about. And all this team and organization has done is respond, 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 and respond. Um, so let yourself be excited uh, and, and get pump, pumped up for the last two months of this season. Cause I, I think it's going to be incredible. Um, but uh, you know, if, if, if nothing else, biscuit, I'm going to sign us out here. Uh, you can always follow us on our Twitter, which, by the way, not not for nothing, uh, when we created a Twitter account that we still don't use, sorry, 
that is pretty much when things started going great in Philadelphia. So if you want to throw us some credit, I'm, I'm not going to kick it out of bed. I, I think we deserve a little bit of credit. The Twitter account is at suck a little less, which the Phillies certainly have. I believe we have sucked a little less too, even in the absence of Andrew tonight, whom we miss dearly. But that'll be it for the So You Think You Can Manage podcast. We will be back next Wednesday unless anything ridiculous happens before then. For Biscuit, I am Shane. We will see you next week. So, think you can manage? <laughs>